Wow. Because the beach scene, she was just like the mom was kind of an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to a podcast created by the Jacksway Collective. We're a group of friends who like to talk about philosophy, fiction, and whatever else is on our minds. Thank you very much for listening. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to episode 14 of the podcast. We are the Jacksway Collective. My name is Yana, and today I'm joined by Sarah, Oliver, and Brendan. Here at the Jacksway Collective, we talk about philosophy, short stories, and the odd film. Um, Sometimes we have thoughtful discussions, and most of the time we go off the rails. Today's episode, we actually watched Jonathan Glazer's film Under the Skin, featuring Scarlett Johansson. If you like the Jacksway Collective, please go ahead and rate us on iTunes or Spotify or whatever other podcast platform you happen to be using. Also, we would love to hear from you guys. Please send us an email at jacksawaycollective at gmail.com, whether it's thoughts on the, anything we discuss in the podcast or recommendations for future films or short stories for us to read. Please let us know if it's a great email. And even if it's a terrible email, we'll probably read it live on the, uh, on the podcast. Anyways, let's get to the show. Sarah, seeing as you brought the, uh, the film to us, why don't you give us a brief idea of what's going on in this film, if that's even possible? Yeah, is it possible is the question. Okay, as Yana mentioned, this is a 2013 film by Jonathan Glazer. It's based loosely on the novel by Michelle Faber, which is also called Under the Skin. None of us read it, from what I know. Nope. So according to the director, this film actually took a long time to make. I think it was in development for 10 years, And it's actually quite distilled down from what the original version or the vision was. I think uh, Glazer envisioned this grand, like, CGI heavy science fiction. And then it became still science fiction, but um, definitely also an art film and more about this alien perspective on humanity versus any crazy special effects. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this film, both in terms of the plot and production. So in terms of plot synopsis, this is going to maybe sound a bit vague and pared back, but I assure you I'm not being deliberately obtuse unless you have either read the book or heard anything about the film ahead of time. Um, It can be very difficult to ground yourself in it, and I, I kind of found myself constantly looking for like a foothold or something familiar to hold on to, which was actually probably a deliberate choice by the director. So yeah, the TLDR, too long, didn't read, didn't watch version. There is this woman who is not a woman. She's not human. Scarlett Johansson's character, she drives around in this white van in Glasgow with the aim of seducing men, bringing them back to her lair. And then, yeah, shit goes sideways. It's interesting you talk about the production of the film. This is one of the things that I think is makes it such a great film in my eyes is the contrast of these incredible, like, highly produced and edited sequences, like, for example, in the beginning of the film, of strange shots of eyelids and moving lights and everything like that, the production value of that, and then contrasted with just literally raw footage of strangers in the city. When you put both of these things together, it makes the production of this film so unique and so fascinating just in terms of a visual experience to see both like the most esoteric, like, I don't know, kind of unfathomable kind of filmmaking in the same kind of 
movie as one that just has like kind of hidden cameras as well. Um, so that's one thing that uh, I really liked about this film, and I've never seen it in any other film like this. Do you want to touch on like the, the filming process with that? Yeah, I guess for anyone who doesn't know, Scarlett Johansson is her character in this film is luring in um, singular men in the streets of Glasgow, 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 <laughs> Jesus, Glasgow, <laughs> some fucking city, and. She will pull up to them, and if they're alone, she'll try and get them to come into her van and then bring them into some, like, strange building. And what you learn after watching the film for the first time and reading the Wikipedia page is that these are real people. They're not actors. Like, truly, they just had hidden cameras, and they would walk up to random people, and sure enough, they would get into this strange van with Scarlett Johansson. And, really? Yeah. Some of um, them would. Some of them didn't. And everyone who but... did, like, end up in the film had to sign releases after... Okay, but the people who got in the van were actually actors, though, right? Not all of them. Not um, all of them, but, like, the ones who went back to her place were actors. Yeah. Really? See, I, only, I didn't even know that because I thought that, say, for example, like, the two, not the, the, the small man, but the other two, they were legitimately sequestered into the van, but then once in, they were like, okay, listen, like, this is a setup. Do you want to now also be in the film and walk naked? I think the second guy for sure was an actor. Okay, here's who I know are the actors for sure. The deformed man, the 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 rapist at the end, um, he's an actor, and the guy from the club who Yes, she, the club. Those guy three was an actor. are actors, hundred percent. What about the first what about the first guy who was um sucked into the black liquid? I'm like again like this is part of the charm of the film, I guess, is how difficult it is to distinguish. But I know that um, most of them were like legitimate, legitimately people off the street. I um, think the thicker wow. the accent and the harder to understand, more <laughs> likely those are actual <laughs> Glaswegians as opposed to actors. Which is crazy. And actually, I think one of the people who who got sequestered into the van was actually a husband and a father of two children as well. Ooh, um, just a tough one. Damn. So yeah, and then I think that I, when you see shots of the city as well, just passive shots like those are just yeah. literally the streets of, of glasgow yeah the mall scene too mm -hmm. they're um, not very flattering shots no they're really not and sarah was telling me <laughs> um about how they felt about their city being represented yeah i guess some people from glasgow were all up in arms because they said that this wasn't a fair representation of our city you make us look so bad but then I also told Yana, I have been to Glasgow, and admittedly it was on a very hungover day, but no, no, that's exactly what Glasgow <laughs> is like. Yeah, it's very depressing. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to bet that in reality, Glasgow doesn't have like a giant tar pit in a house that people are like sinking into. And <laughs> I'm willing to bet that part of the film was very much fiction. Mm -hmm. So I guess a good segue is talking about those sequences We've talked a little bit about the kind of more candid ones, but the way that this film starts is just an unbelievable visual experience, I think, especially if you are stoned. Um, <laughs> the whole, like, the music, which apparently all of the instruments were just like, like, there's no instruments in this film. It's all, like, DIY kind of noises being made in I the sound room. I love the score to this um, movie. Again, just totally unique and unlike anything you've ever heard. And then you have just what looks like an eye being formed and in the background you hear like it seems like human speech starting to develop is that how you guys interpret it as well yeah yeah a woman learning to speak or trying new sounds 
And so here I am on the couch next to Brennan watching this film and just my eyes are not blinking and I feel like overwhelmed, like I'm watching something come into being, like I've never had an experience like this. It was just, it was unbelievable for me to watch. Yeah, it was, it was just fucking crazy. So. It reminded me a lot of like something that Kubrick would do. Like mm-hmm. yeah, the opening, like very 2001 Space Odyssey. And then once you're outside of that opening scene, like the first like aerial shots of Scotland with the man on the motorcycle, very reminiscent of the opening scene of The Shining mm. when they're looping along that mountain road. Interesting you say that too, because now I'm thinking back to that intro sequence and maybe somewhere else in the film as well. There's a scene where the light comes to like a certain point and it's very red, exactly like how in 2001 Space Odyssey oh, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if that was a tip of the hat um, by Jonathan Glazer. Yeah, I think he's a big fan, so it's not surprising that there would be homages in his work. I could see it. One other like just kind of little Easter egg that I noticed when I was watching, what I thought was fascinating was the first place where Scarlett Johansson's character goes after coming into being is a shopping mall. And so that's interesting in itself. And whether or not Jonathan Glazer is telling us anything about our culture, great if you are, if not, whatever. But as she walks through... <laughs> Such amazing commentary by the Jacksway Collective. If it's a social commentary, yeah, sure. If not, whatever. Whatever. I'm much We're more so opinionated. <laughs> when you see her walking through the mall, you actually see a shot of this, like, mannequin like just on the right-hand side of the frame that looks exactly like what is under Scarlett Johansson's skin um, at the end of the film. So again, I go back to what I just said. If that was a total accident, so be it. If it was, again, a bit of brilliant foreshadowing, um, hats off to you, Jonathan Glazer. Um, okay, so how do we feel about Scarlett Johansson? Because she, she obviously looks like a human throughout this whole film, in many ways acts like one as well. But... She's not a human. I think we can all agree on that. I got the sense that in this opening scene, it seemed like she was kind of being manufactured in a lab. I got the sense of there being a kind of artificial setting mm-hmm. to her to her birth as um, a being. And so, when watching this film, what is it that like what is it that she lacks? What are the traits that, when watching her, what what's missing there? What's I think for a lot of the scenes, especially in the beginning, you get a very uncanny valley vibe from her. And I don't know if that's deliberate or not, but specifically for me, the scene when she is trying to seduce that man on the beach and she's witnessing that horrific thing happening and her face is just blank. Like there's nothing there. Right. And it's just like you can't help but feel a little bit revulsion towards that because she looks like a human, but... Just the way that she's standing there, that blank look in her eyes for the first half of the film, like, you know that there's nothing there, really. Like, yeah, I don't know. I I couldn't figure out her motivations in the beginning of the film. Aside from that being, like, one of the most disturbing disturbing scenes I've seen in a movie, the beach scene, (laughs) when I looked at Scarlett Johansson's eyes in that scene, though, I did not see, in my interpretation, like, not a kind of look of psychopathy what I saw, at least in my view, was her just trying to, she's just observing and being like, wow, like, look at this fascinating human behavior that I have not learned. It's not like, it's not baked into me. So she, like, I don't feel any resentment towards her for not acting and not, I genuinely see her looking at these people like, oh, it's a look of curiosity almost. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, she does have 
I suppose, a puzzled look on her face. Puzzled is a good way to put it. A pure blank slate. And I guess, like, kudos to Scott Johansson for, at least in my mind, making that distinction. Okay, sorry, to go back to my question, what is she lacking? Um... You hit on one, anything that we, anything else that's kind of lacking at first glance when we look at her and compare her to a human being? Well, there's also the question of what she's lacking initially and then what she's lacking later on in the film because, um, like, the way that she progresses throughout the movie, there's two separate progressions. There's her progression as a predator and then when she relapses to what's essentially the emulation of a human being, then there's the progression with that as well because I, I noticed watching the film, like, her uh, her way of talking to people, her way of seducing people, her way of luring them into her van becomes more elegant, more eloquent, and well executed throughout the film as if she's learning what are the weaknesses of these individuals, how best to seduce them and take advantage of them. And then, of course, after she runs away from that uh, and attempts to try to be human, there's that second progression where she tries to develop human emotions which you still don't really see, like with the man that takes her in and looks after her and stuff. Like, she definitely tries to show emotion and show love in the best possible way. But for her, it wasn't through communication. It was through, like, the physical start of things. And even beyond that, like, her communication is something that also begins to fail after she comes out on the other side of the fog as the human being. And I feel like that was meant to be her relearning because she only learned how to use communication of a form of seduction as a form of hunting. Uh, She had to relearn how to communicate because she doesn't actually understand language that well as a form of communication. She learns it as like an ends to a means. She is learning throughout the entire film. And you can see this kind of linear progression in her interactions. Um, Each time she lures a man in, she kind of, like Brennan says, gets more and more eloquent. She gets more and more talented at this um, this luring, and the guys are more and more drawn in by her. So she's like, she's learning, she's getting better. She's using that with every iteration of her um, interactions. And so, at least in my opinion, it kind of reached its apex in terms of her talent with the with the deformed man. It was at her, this point where she was at her most charming mm-hmm. and her most, like, uh, uh, just most genuine, and it seemed as if it was working for her um, the best. And so at this point in the film specifically, do we think that she is just ruthlessly really good at what she does and now she's reached peak manipulation? Or is it this point in the film that she has a little bit more of those human elements and sympathies? I think she has more elements of like humanity in her. When was the scene when she was on the motorway and um, she gets the rose and she gets blood on her hand because the man selling the roses had cut his hand. And that's like, for me, a big pivotal moment when she's looking down at her hand and she sees this blood for the first time and looks at the man. And then I see a huge shift in her from then on. But I don't know if that's before or after she meets mm. the deformed man. I can't remember. Interesting. That's that, like, before. Before. Okay. You point at the roses. You point at in and out of the fog. I point at the interaction with the deformed man. I'm sure all these things are like kind of closely linked with each other, but it mm-hmm. is in this kind of critical period of the film where you're right, she goes through this kind of transformation from pure fulfilling her role of bringing in these men to mm-hmm. having some more of these uh, these human elements. 
So something in there has shifted inside of her. Yeah, and after the rose scene, there's a scene where the the like her handler or the guy on the motorbike does his like 360 view of her. Mm-hmm. And he's like inspecting her. And it seems so like maybe, he thinks something's up, right? Yeah. I think that rose scene might have been the first moment where she fakes herself into believing she's human. Because as we see later in the film, like she can't bleed. She has no blood, but she believes it to be her own. And I feel like that kind of like crossed the signals where all of a sudden she was perceiving herself as possibly human and maybe like uh, in a similar sort of way of like AI becoming sentient, you know? It's interesting that you point to like the recognition of blood um, as being like, oh, that is what a human does. And that's something that I don't have access to with the ability to bleed. And so I'm thinking back to a discussion we had a, a bunch of podcasts ago on Harlan Ellison's um, I Have No Mouth, But I Must Scream, and the uh, sentient being in that story, AM. I remember our discussion about AM, the AI, getting resentful that he does not have access to some of these very fundamental human traits. No matter how much knowledge he comes up with or whatever, he does not have access to some of the things that humans have access to. And I see this same theme in this film, although in a more kind of tragic sense, because you feel some sympathy for Scarlett Johansson's character. She sees that human beings are like this. She wants to be like it, yet she cannot bleed. And one of the things you said, Brendan, was human beings have these kind of very fundamental, basic drives, instincts, and abilities to eat, to have sex. Um, To bleed is, of course, one of them. And you see Scarlett Johansson try and engage in all three of these things. She tries to eat the cake and she throws up. She tries to have sex. She has, like, no vagina hole. Um, <laughs> and so, like, you, you, again, it, it's it's different from me. Looking at yourself in the mirror. Yeah, that was... And so, anyways, it's just interesting to see, like, it doesn't matter how much analyzing she does of other humans' behavior. She will never have access to some of these most basic fundamental human traits. And in the case of Harlan Allison's story, it's a good thing. But in this one, it, it's, to me, very sad. I don't know if this was done on purpose or not. And it kind of annoyed me. But again, I'm not sure if it should have or not. But it's like two pillars of womanhood are presented. Like on the one hand, you have the predatory, sexy seductress. And then at the end, you have this vulnerable, like woman in danger kind of. And I don't know if the director meant to do that or if that was like some kind of social commentary. It does kind of play into like the two main literary archetypes that females get categorized into yeah that sucks and like so much of Scarlett Johansson hinges on like her character hinges on her socialization and being in this world Mm -hmm. and so like how interesting that her two modes of behavior that she learns through socialization and interaction with a with our culture leads to these exact two stereotypes that you point out Mm -hmm. and we don't even know if the alien is female Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a great point. I never thought of that, actually. We don't know if it has a gender. Is the motorcycle man, is he the one pulling the strings? It seems like that. Is he the face behind the mask, Uh, like, programming her? I didn't get that sense. I got the sense that, like, he was... Why is he there? See, there's a scene where there's additional motorcyclers, right? Yes, And so here I'm thinking, like, he's like a grunt. He's like a worker bee to, like, keep these in line and keep that... Like, he's a ground worker. Okay. Right? 
at least my interpretation. So is he a human or no? No, I don't think so. Yeah, maybe not. Like, can you really walk away from that crying baby on the beach if you're a human? Oh, God. There's a couple things I want to come back to. One is the female thing, um, female representation. But I first want to go back to this transitional period that we've all talked about. Okay. Two instances. One, in this kind of scene that we're, like, this area of the film, there's this one montage where you see in the background the blackness of the alien in the background, and then Scarlett Johansson walks out. And so, oh, like, is that um, the scene with def- the man with the deformed face? It's like either right after that or right before that. Yeah, I think it's like right before. Right before, and so, like Oliver thought, like has was it was it you that's like yeah maybe the alien's been switched out. Yeah, that's what I thought, and that's why I'm just looking for what's the causal factor when she has this shift in behavior. Does the alien get switched out? Does she all of a sudden have sympathy for a deformed man? Um, does something else trigger in her brain? Like, this point of the film, she has this shift. And I didn't notice that scene that Oliver pointed out until third watch through, actually. So a quick, quick interjection. Oliver, how many times did you watch the movie? Had you seen it before? I watched it twice, and I hadn't seen it before it was recommended last, like, two weeks ago. Okay, so you watched it for the first time for the podcast? Yeah. What did you get from that second viewing that felt different from the first viewing? The first viewing, it, it felt, the film felt very unsatisfying, yet satisfying at the same time. And then the second viewing was more of a going back and trying to make sense of who these characters were. Did you prefer a view, first or second? Probably the second one. How come? Um... Just because you were soaking it in. I was soaking it in more and tr- like pausing the movie and taking screenshots and yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I really disliked the movie the first time I saw it. I thought it was all shock value. Um, but re-watching it the second time when you're prepared for the shock value antics that it has, you're able to actually glean more useful information about like the characters and their motivations because the first time watching it, you know, you're trying to get over the shock of like, uh, well, the scene where they're like submerged in the black liquid. That's a horrifying scene. And um, it's like horror porn or like just something like that, you know, just like Mm -hmm. despair porn or something like that. There's so many shock moments. (laughs) And even just like, I mean, this is going to sound so crude, but the way someone framed the movie to to me once before was like, yeah, it's the scene where Scarlett Johansson's naked. And it's like, oh, okay. So, like, you're going into the movie with all, like, these visual shocking moments. But what gets hidden behind a lot of the visual shock and awe is actually an interesting study into what it means to be human. So watching it that second time I felt was very useful because you're prepared for those moments that are going to make you feel unsettled and uncomfortable, and you can get over that uneasiness in order to appreciate the layers that are actually beneath it. Or, as some could say, what is under the skin. <laughs> Side note, like, was the first time you watched it when we were together or no? No. Okay, okay, good. Because I, I have the exact same experience, basically. Like, I remember first seeing the film and just being like, okay, that scene was terrifying, that scene was, like, crushing to my soul. That scene was, like, super fucked up. And, like, my entire interpretation of the film was just memories of, like, kind of traumatizing scenes that I'd watched. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It wasn't until the second watch through of the film when you mostly know what's coming that you actually kind of 
zoom out your view of the film and actually start to examine what's going on and look past that shock value, like you say. And so for me as well, I got a lot more value out of the film on second and third watch through. I only watched it or, one and a half times. It's enough, right? Or, or is it more rewarding when you watch it the second time because you are trying to rationalize it all and make sense of it all and you're applying your own interpretation on it and then it just feels good? Yeah, it's totally possible. I think the that second time around you have a lot more context too. Like, not to sound lazy, but you do feel a bit alien watching it the first time so you have no <laughs> idea what the fuck is going on, who these characters are, where the plot is moving. Like, that's the worst movie to watch with somebody who asks a lot of questions during movies. Yeah. So I definitely watched it solo. To go back to Oliver's point, I think he mentioned something interesting and I feel like the the second time I watched the movie, I saw the movie that I wanted to see because of the fact that like I had this notion of what it was supposed to be in my head. So it was much more of like the filling in the blanks a little bit more deliberately with that information. Yeah, because that's what I feel like I'm doing right now is we don't even know what Glazer was. Glazer, is that how you say his last name? Yep. So Yeah, we don't really know what he was intending. So yeah, yeah I guess like you become a bit more of a detective on your second watch through. Um, <laughs> Detective Chang. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's screenshotting every frame of the movie and <laughs> the book synopsis is quite interesting because it does provide a little bit more context, I guess. But again, I don't know how far Glazer took it because essentially the book is about them coming to Earth to harvest humans for food for their planet. Mm. Oh, okay. The book reveals that. Yeah. See, I don't. Personally, I like the ambiguity and like the mystery of the film. Yeah, I wish you didn't tell me that. Oh, sorry. Spoiler. For food. Or I guess like that, that makes sense because there's one scene where that it's like a conveyor belt sludge. of all this like red meat, I guess. Right, yeah. like the lava scene. So obviously they are doing something to these dudes, but. Hmm. As far as I'm concerned, like these are two entirely different properties, so I'm not even going to take that on board. Like, yeah, and I don't think remains. you should. Okay. Sorry that I spoiled it for you why like why does that make me feel shitty if i find out that scarlett johansson's like entire being is like and the whole point of the crux of the book is for food collection why she's is just an me... alien peasant harvesting yeah and i guess i i feel as if she's something more i feel as if she's this being on a quest for becoming a human being or as close as she can possibly get and then her failure hits much harder when i find out that She's failed in her becoming of a human being, not that she has failed in her food harvesting. Um, Why can't it be both? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Seems like a very elaborate way to get food. So let's, I'll come back. To, I feel like I've got all the notes. What do you guys think? There was one inconsistency that I noticed, and maybe someone here will have an opinion on it that can like help enlighten me to it. Because the very first scene that we see with them, like, taking the body into the van of the woman that was found on the beach. Like they bring her in and she's like crying as Scarlett Johansson's like taking all of her clothes off and putting them on herself. And um, with that, they were, I didn't really understand what the purpose of that human interaction was, whether she was dead or alive because she was crying or whether like there was any interaction with them beyond just like using her for clothing but that was also done in an all-white room as opposed to an all-black room where they take the males to extract their whatever it is they're extracting. To like just add to that observation, one of the things I thought was interesting about that scene as well was 
Scarlett Johansson has to physically take the clothes off of this woman and put them on herself. And so her, at this point, out of her most, like, blank slateness, she has to learn to, uh, to like, dress herself here as well. As far as for, like, as far as the motivations of this scene in general, I'm not sure. Well, you can see her, like, crouching over the body and kind of, like, studying it and then, like, mm-hmm. begins undressing her. So she's definitely mm-hmm. trying to glean some kind of information from that interaction. And it seemed intentional that not from the director's point of view, but from the person who's, like, training this alien being, seemed intentional that Scarlett Johansson has to has to take the clothes off and, like, put them on, as opposed to just, like, okay, we're going to put your clothes on as you're in, like, stasis or whatever it is. But as for the opening woman, do you think she was a human? I don't know. I don't initially, know, man. Initially, I thought she was just another shell, like Scarlett Johansson, but now I'm starting to think maybe she was a human. I'm actually going the opposite way. I'm starting to think that she was a shell because her crying, despite being dead, was very, or yeah. I can't say dead for sure, but her crying in like that post-mortem scene is similar to like when Scarlett yeah, Johansson so, takes similar her. Similar to the end of yeah. the movie when Scarlett Johansson, um, she's holding her head and like the eyes are still moving. And she's crying, like she's holding yeah. the face and the face is crying while she's looking down at it. Actually, that does make sense now because... Um, the motorcycle dude seems to know exactly where to retrieve her from. Yeah. And before, like, all victims have been men. So why would they harm, like, a human woman? You know? Like, that doesn't make mm. sense. And, like, she had similar traits to Scott Johansson right. as well. I yeah. thought they were the same person the first time I watched it. Like, yeah, I mean, I like, they're that like, similar, Star right? Joe's double. And, like, maybe she is in the film, basically, right? Yeah. Because um, at one point in this world, they would need to kidnap or, like, kill women to get the skin, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we're not too sure. Oh, the God. skin. So many questions. No, no, to me, the skin was too synthetic. Like, this is one of the most fascinating parts of the film, but also I think there's, it's synthetic skin for sure because when she peels it off herself, the eyes are still on the skin, blinking. And so yeah. this is, like, one of the things that I wrote down in my notes was we often see... Like, the eyes as the kind of indication that, like, the lights are on in the other person or the other uh, animal or whatever it is. If the eyes are, like, moving, that is an indicator of consciousness and that there is something going on inside of there. And so, and oftentimes throughout the film, Scarlett Johansson is complimented on her eyes specifically by other men in the film. And also the opening sequence ends with a shot of Scarlett Johansson's eye. And so... And I think just more generally, the theme of an eye is like, yeah, like this being is alive. But then when the, the, the being, the alien, pulls the skin off and I see the eyes like as actually a part of the suit and she has no eyes, this was just like so chilling to me and so like discombobulating and I didn't know what to make of it because... Well, eyes are the window to the soul. Which is what I thought, but apparently not because like where is the fucking soul... I guess there is none. And, like, I'm watching this whole film second time through, and I'm interpreting Scarlett Johansson making progress towards becoming more of a human being, and to have, like, her peel off the skin, and, like, that, you're right, the, the, the gateway to the soul has been peeled off of her. That was just, it was crushing to me. It seemed like That's so she funny. Failed. Why is that always the trajectory that we root for? Even in a show like Westworld, all you want to do is see them become human. Why do we have that impulse? It's fascinating. It's a fascinating question. <laughs> I think we have yeah, a... Yeah, because if, 
So I if she know. was an alien, like, what's the desire to be human so badly? But it's not even like the aliens' desire to become human. It's us human fellow us, human oh, beings yeah. rooting for them. Like we want right, to see yeah. that humanity. Is it just like us desperately wanting to see something familiar to cling to, or like, yeah, what is that impulse? Yeah, do we have this like inclination or this like leaning in our lives towards life and like other life becoming? And if we do, that's a great thing and very inspiring. Actually, I would like to think that. It's but, like half of us are afraid of robots or ai taking over but then yet the soft side of us still wants to see them succeed and you know make that mm -hmm. transition i think there's also the element that she wants to move towards it so there is a certain level of empathy even though she is not human she still has the appearances of being human so there's that natural inclination to have some sort of empathy or sympathy towards her character in not getting that level of realization the fact that she can't become human, it's it's upsetting. Even though, she, even though she committed her like horrendous crimes in the past, it's still saddening the fact that she can't reach that level of humanity that we would like to see. I think it's very similar to like how, um, you know, if with a psychopathic character, someone who like commits murders or something like that, we want them to rehabilitate. We want them to achieve that level of humanity and understanding and empathy. It's been a while since I've felt so happy with the state of our human condition. It's been a while <laughs> since I felt empathy. <laughs> I am a real boy. <laughs> what about the representation of Scarlett Johansson? There was a point in this film when I was watching one of the times where Scarlett Johansson is walking backwards and you see the man staring at Scarlett Johansson, like male gaze style, and slowly sinking into this goo as Scarlett Johansson walks backwards and like teases her and like, the guy just falls into the ground. And here I'm watching, like, like this must be, like, feminist porn right here. Like, you must have, like, a, a boner right now if you were, like, a f and, like, on behalf of, like, all the feminists, I feel it too, but that's fucking great. I'm sure it's so satisfying to watch. I don't just want to direct this question towards you, Sarah, but, like, to everyone. Do you feel the same way? Like, is this good? I know it falls into tropes, but at the same time, like, is there, like, hints of, like, fuck yeah in here at all? I don't know. I really didn't know how to feel about that. Because on the one hand, you're rooting for, like, Scarlett Johansson's sexual agency. Like, yes, girl, get it. Um, and <laughs> just writing that off as the male gaze doesn't seem that productive because sometimes you invite that male gaze. It's when it's, like, unsolicited or unwarranted. Mm. And at that point. point in the film, she is deliberately provoking that. So I don't That's know if point. I felt this huge sense of justice watching those guys sink mm. into a liquid black abyss but <laughs> yeah it was strangely satisfying watching the guy who was doing the dancing and also, <laughs> the, the, also that, the first that soccer dance guy and the score oh my god so good so strange and unsettling but like satisfying at the same time but like this movie definitely wouldn't have worked if it was a man playing Scarlett Johansson's yeah. role. No way. Like, no I way. don't care if it's a Hemsworth brother driving a white van. Like, I'm not <laughs> getting fucking inside of it if I'm by myself. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Is there a societal... Also, what was the point of her driving the van? She could have just drove a smaller car. Um, I think it was maybe utilitarian. Because <laughs> I read that the crew was in the back of the van. Oh, right. With all the mm. hidden cameras. So it oh, might not okay, have okay. been, like, a stylistic device so much as, like, they needed a van to it also adds in. to like the um 
it, it adds to the social experiment side of it because like you see a big van like that and someone's like, yeah, come in, I'll give you a ride. Obviously <laughs> you're going to be persuaded not to by the van itself, but the fact that it's Scarlett Johansson driving, I think people are kind of like, yeah, like why not? Mm-hmm. Let's give it a shot. I think the men look much like even worse when the fact that they're like going into a van, right? <laughs> it's such a deliberately like sketchy van to like, I don't know. I, I, mean, I see Scarlett Johansson though as like, some of them do oh, seem to like, have like a healthy dose of skepticism and do walk away. Yeah, and I'm sure they had to do lots of takes of lots of real people. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, once they get to the house, though, I love that part when like that dude was at the window talking to Scarlett, and then you can hear his girlfriend in the background, and he's like, "Gotta go." <laughs> <laughs> so funny. What about the scene where like the kid is trying to like get him to open get her to open the door, and like all these fucking hooligans like start. Do you think that was real or no? Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's strange. Like, it didn't have the same, like, grainy documentary style mm. feel of it as the other interactions did. So I do think that was probably sure. scripted. I love the scene, though, when she's going to the club and she just gets, like, swept up in that right. sea of girls. And just the look on her face, just, like, bafflement. And she's just in the throng and can't get out of it. Yeah, that was funny. Um, and then the sandstorm. Yes! That was such a throwback to middle school. <laughs> That's amazing. What about, I was watching, or I guess I was thinking about our discussion on Kafka's, Kafka's uh, in the penal colony. And one of the things we gave props to Kafka for was, like, his ability to kind of give breadcrumbs throughout the story that have implications and hints as to what's going on in the wider context of the environment of the story in the penal colony. Did Do you feel like we got enough of that in this film? Do we feel like we got enough to kind of make interpretations of larger scale goings-ons of this film? Um, and if so, do we have any theories about that? Mm, I don't know. That's hard. I think... The film, if you only watch it once, can be, again, lazy word, alienating to a lot of viewers. Mm -hmm. People who are used to like a more structured plot or narrative, they're going to be watching this film and be like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think it needed to leave any breadcrumbs. I think for it to maintain the mystery that it did throughout the full duration of the film was something that made it more affecting. Um, I feel like all that we really needed to know going into the film is just human nature and how ugly it can be at times, how beautiful it can be at times. Uh, it plays off of both of those notions. And then it's to show someone who is feeling estranged and copying Sarah here, feeling estranged and alienated in this environment, to observe them was all that we needed to observe as the viewer. And I think the more breadcrumbs we were offered, the less satisfactory it would be. I mean, look at how upset you got in finding out that it was about mm. food in the novel. Great point. Because we don't want that information. It's not about the backstory. It's about the observation and the learning. And we it seems like we come into the story at Scarlett Johansson's inception and we just follow her full lifespan throughout the movie. And it's perfect like that. It's perfect not knowing... It's perfect not knowing what she is or where she came from. The importance was what she observed and what she completed in her time there. I agree. Having that information now, though, would make, like Ollie said, a second viewing, like, so much more beneficial. Like, if you watch it the first time, you might not pick up on all of those things that you just mentioned, which I think is why 
some people have beef with it. Right. If you've seen this film once, watch it again. See if your mind changes. Like again, if like I always have different experiences, second read through, second watch throughs. But this film specifically sticks out as one that like spiked a lot on second watch through. And in place of those breadcrumbs that like have some sort of narrative implication, I felt like there were a lot of really cool, subtle symbols. Like for instance, the very first time you see uh, the bike rider, his helmet says shark. shark. And immediately like this is a predator. Uh, the man in the woods that ends up assaulting Scarlett Johansson, he's in a hazard God. vest that shows he is mm. a hazard. Pay attention to him. Yeah, how have we not talked about that ending? I like have nothing to say. Like that was just so fucked. Like it just adds to the the just despair porn of the film. Like, yeah, it was just so fucked up. I didn't. And again, a second watch through, it's like, of course, this like weird fucking strange guy tries to rape this girl in the middle of the woods. But yeah, just the first time watching it, it was just so traumatizing. I just can't like. Mm-hmm. The odd thing was though, is you, for me, I didn't find her when she like seduced the the men to be as traumatizing. Not like, at all. This was more horrifying. Like because it was like... done by a human. Yeah, true. Like yeah. Scarlett Johansson's character, her whole purpose was to be a seductress and and take these people back to her place and like extract their loins. <laughs> But then when we see an actual human assault Scarlett Johansson, all of a sudden we're like, that's us. Like, those, that's someone that falls under our being. It does seem like a much yeah, more heinous yeah. crime. Yeah. And, well, now, like, we have this conflicting, like, yes, we want Scarlett Johansson to be more and more like a human being. But then as she comes closer to the becoming a human being, do we then feel more ill will against her the more luring she does? I don't know. It's interesting that that's how... Uh, being a woman and being a predator is presented versus being a man and being a predator is presented because Scarlett Johansson doesn't really touch those guys. Like she leads them somewhere, but Mm, there's no like physical assault on their bodies. Like she is assaulted Mm -hmm. by that logger. Very true. I like don't, sorry, go on. Well, I was just going to say like, to go back to your question about her becoming more human I think that there's really two separate questions that come on opposite sides of that transitional point in the movie. The first is she's becoming like, is she becoming more of a stronger emulation of a human being? But then after that transitional point where she starts to believe herself to be human, then would it be considered becoming more human? Because uh, like, obviously I would, I wouldn't want her to become more human if it meant she was more successful in, in her um, predatory actions. Right. But in the essence of actually becoming more human, which I think we see in that second half, then yeah, I would, I don't know, I feel like I would like to see her become more human. I think when she starts to become more human or see herself as more human, that's when she starts to back off from her predatory actions. Do we want to go round table and talk most disturbing like we did in Kevin or do you want to end it? Yeah, most disturbing. Let's do it. most disturbing. Oliver, you start. Putting you on the spot. Most disturbing, probably the... The final scene. Yeah. You put that over the beach scene? Yeah. Wow. Because the beach scene, she was just like, the mom was kind of an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. Should have just left the dog. Or should have been watching the dog. Yeah. 
Two, sorry, two amazing quotes in from, from the last episode. We had Oliver saying that the book had a ha- the story had a happy oh. ending because he dies at the end, and now he's like showing no empathy towards these human beings. Like, yeah, they're idiots. They deserve to oh, die. And the baby just oh, sitting man. at the beach. Yeah, whatever. His his parents were idiots. Um, I'm not gonna take. Th- I'm no. For me, it wasn't the beach scene. For me, it was the man floating in the black liquid. And, like, he sees the other person who's clearly been floating there significantly longer. Oh, and he swimmer. reaches out and, like, touches them and then, like, pulls back because he's repulsed. And then all of a sudden they just, like, gets it all pulled out of him. And, again, like, that reminded me very much of uh, I Have No Mouth because, mm-hmm. like, they are so removed from humanity. They can't scream. They can't yell. They can't communicate. They're just floating there absently in this void. Until they're harvested, and it's extremely disturbing. I think I'm going to claim the beach scene. Specifically when the swimmer is up on the shore. Actually, I have to retract my previous statement. Scarlett Johansson's character does inflict violence when she bashes his skull in with a rock. Um, And then when the man in the motorcycle goes back to the beach later at night to collect the swimmer's things, the baby is still sitting on the rocks crying for hours its parents are dead the dog is dead that was that was too much for me yeah i would have said i don't know i I feel like you you three touched on it all of the most fucked up scenes for me it was precisely the moment in brennan's anecdote when it's like a piano noise and then whatever his body is just literally evaporates in real time that specific moment was just soul crushing for me also, yeah. the scene, though, when the deformed man is running away and the motorcycle guy stuffs him in the trunk oh, and the oh, old that's lady a good across choice. the street is watching it and just like, oh, Doesn't do that shit. was very chilling. All right. Mm-hmm. One last honorable mention, for, for, not for like the most disturbing scene, but a scene that really, really impacted me and disturbed me on a very deep level was in the starting moments where they're like manufacturing the eye. And you see, like, part of the white part of uh, of the eye kind of leaking over into the pupil. Mm. And it was, there was something so unsettling about that. It, it, it Part of it felt like um, a, a piece of the Uncanny Valley where, like, you could tell it wasn't human despite emulating it because of that. Mm. And also just because, like, you, you're just, you don't see that with eyes. And it really freaked me out. Yeah. Maybe so uncomfortable, like the way that it had that glassy, liquidy material to it. Everything about it was just so unsettling. All right. Well, let's leave it there. Thank you again to Brendan, Sarah, and Oliver. We are the Jacksway Collective. If you want to send us an email, please go ahead and do so. Subscribe to us on iTunes, write us a review, do whatever you got to do to help us out or not. Just keep listening. Oh, no. No or not. Yeah, you're right. Do the damn thing. (laughs) Tiny time investment, huge help. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening, and let's leave it there. All right, thank you very much. Peace.